0: We are using a very, very uh, breakthrough technology that is actually textiles that is totally self-sterilized. No COVID, no viruses, no bacteria, no smell can be on that, which is so important, especially nowadays. And it's going to be the first time that uh, people are going to wear it. It used to be only for the medical industry and for the military industries across the globe
1: doing that, but for all of us, why are we even making it so difficult to put our clothes on? And the added bonus is you're making it self-sterilizing, so bacteria and viruses are repelled from it. Exactly. Welcome to the Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. This is Phil Michaels, Forbes 30 Under 30 entrepreneur and performance coach. Every year, Forbes names the top 30 entrepreneurs, leaders, and stars in the world and each week, I bring you one of them to help you level up in your life and business. From celebrities like LeBron James to Kylie Jenner and Cardi B, to entrepreneurs with companies like DoorDash, Instagram, and YouTube, you're sure to learn from the list. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now it's time to level up. Level up. up. Welcome to Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, an Israeli fashion designer, and the winner of the Fashion Humanitarian Award during New York Fashion Week. Her collections have been shown in cities around the world, including New York, Milan, Jerusalem, and Taiwan, and written about in Vogue magazine and others. She graduated from the Instituto Maragoni in Milan, one of the world's most prestigious high fashion academies. During her studies, she ranked first among 40 thousand contestants in the ISKUL Digital Fashion Contest, sponsored by Isco, one of the largest denim manufacturers in the world. She launched her latest collection, Bridging, during New York Fashion Week, created in collaboration with her Palestinian partner and a Jewish calligrapher from Jerusalem. This collection was inspired by her volunteer work with Syrian refugees. Her collection, Bridging, aims to raise awareness spark conversation and action and give voice to the desperate plight of syrians through the language and medium of fashion please welcome Michal hidash very excited to have you here welcome Michal.
0: thank you i'm so happy to be here and to see you and to talk to you
1: so great to see your face again we met in israel first and then i think again in amsterdam at the forbes event i mean we have The Forbes events have been incredible. And speaking of Forbes, where were you when you first found out you made the list? Tell me (laughs) about that moment.
0: All right. Funny moment. (laughs) I was, uh, I think, somehow I remember that I was maybe in the shower or something like that. I remember that it was weekend. And I remember that it was 1 a.m. or maybe even later. And... (laughs) 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 It's one of the funniest, um, I don't know, and random and weird moments of my life because uh, it was late, it was weekend, and somehow I saw notification, I think it was maybe Facebook or something like this, and I remember that it wasn't even a message, you know how sometimes you get those, um, I don't know, messages, requests or something like this. And then the message was, hi Michal uh we just want to confirm that you can come in like i don't know three days or something like this for the photo shootings and like (laughs) for forbes 30 under 30. (laughs) and you know it was late it was weekend and i was like why this random person will do this right now (laughs) funny (laughs) what is going on (laughs)
1: That, and, yeah that's a weird message to get you. i mean you're in the shower it's so late at night you're like who wants to do a photo shoot at this time
0: my teeth or something coming back you know from i don't know probably having a drink with friends or something like that and i really thought like what is the funny meaning behind it like why would somebody do that i totally didn't believe it's real and i still sometimes can't believe it but it took me a long time and uh, yeah, a few days later I was already in the photo shootings running around with uh, clothes because in Israel we do it all the people together mm. and they asked me to actually bring clothes to uh, dress the uh, the people, the well that's perfect because you ha- you're a
1: fashion designer so you're like of course i have clothes to bring <laughs>
0: Exactly. yeah so my job was like people didn't really understand if i'm one of the people that's being shot.
1: <laughs> you're like are you working here or are you part of the list are you both how does this work
0: <laughs> exactly yeah and you've been in israel so you know how uh, especially israeli men when they get dressed, they don't really get dressed. They may be wearing their, uh, you know, bar mitzvah suit or something. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. <laughs> so you had a
1: lot of work. You had a, your work cut out for you.
0: <laughs> exactly. Another funny day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so who was the first person you shared the news with? Because you know, when when you achieve anything or you get a new car, a new house, a new boat, or a new experience, first thing you want to do is share with the people you love. So when you found out this news of this achievement, this recognition, who was the first person you shared it with?
0: My oh, dad. I can't really remember because I think that I had like those few days of like, what? And- Like you <laughs> couldn't
1: believe it. It was yeah. so surreal to you.
0: Exactly, and also the way, you know, that I found out, but probably my parents and my friends, I guess, like my, my closest. You know,
1: That's how I was. I. I was actually born in Philadelphia and I was at the Constitution Center in Philadelphia with one of my co-founders and we were just, I was showing her around Old City, Philadelphia, the historic nature, Ben Franklin's house, uh, the Liberty Bell, Betsy Ross's house, it was incredible. And I get a text from an old professor from my university, he said, congratulations, well deserved. And I was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? He goes, go look on Facebook and it was like hundreds of people tagging me in the Forbes 30 under 30 magazine. And I was like, Oh my God, I got the chills! I'm getting the chills again. Just thinking about it. Cause it was such a surreal moment for me. I was in my hometown, the the city that I was born in and the founding of America. I think the best business ever was the America. It was built by entrepreneurs that came over from another country. And to me, it was just such a, a visceral moment. Uh, that really um, shocked me and, and was such a beautiful experience to be there at that moment and get caught off guard because I had no idea. So people were tagging me in pictures of the magazine. They had bought the magazine and were, you know, showing the article and stuff. So it was pretty cool. Amazing.
0: And here we are today. So you're like two years I'll old. come in
1: full circle. <laughs> yeah. Still talking about Forbes. So, who? <laughs> yeah, who would have known that this would... Uh, met,
0: thanks to that, actually. And I thanks met to you. Forbes. Yeah, most of my best friends and many people that I really care about and really appreciate. I met thanks
1: to that. Great, great people. So, it's a crazy time right now with COVID and things have changed for all of us. What's been your go-to hack to get the most out of this COVID time? What's something you or your team is doing right now to play offense rather than defense?
0: All right, let's be honest here. Um, my routine hasn't really changed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> in some aspects. I mean, I mostly work from home wherever that is, because honestly, in the last more or less 10 years, I wasn't really living somewhere specific, and I was traveling around a lot for work. Uh, so that that actually really changed. I used to be at least once or twice a week in different places, and now I'm in the same place. For, for the longest time since I can't even tell since when. And that changed. But mostly I I do work a lot online. Uh, you know, I have my creative partner from Gaza. We never met, actually. We never really could meet. So we, we worked online, and that's the way we are doing it for at least five, six years. And that's the way that I'm working now with so many people around the globe. So for me, it's actually quite easy uh, yeah
1: much hasn't changed for for us that have worked remotely for a while not much has changed one of the things I do try to be adamant about is people turning their camera on I think there's something to be said about that face-to-face interaction yeah. even though we can't be in person together let's try to make it as fe- feel as much as in person as it can be
0: yeah I feel like there is like this social distance but it's it's a distance it's not really social socially i feel that i'm more connected Mm. more communicating with everyone touche
1: touche what do you call it instead
0: um, (laughs) cold
1: distancing
0: i call it bridging
1: (laughs) bridging there we go oh that was good (laughs) so take us back to the very beginning where you're from where you grew up and the path that led you to where you are now ultimately making it to the forbes list
0: The very beginning. All right. I was born and raised in Israel, in the north of Israel, in a small town, uh, very beautiful and very green. And my parents, my mom was born in Israel, but her parents uh, came originally from Europe and uh, her father is a Holocaust survivor. And my grandma was born in Israel, but also her parents came to Israel because it's very rare, you know, to be born in Israel, especially in those times. And my father, they also, his parents uh, are Holocaust survivors, uh, all of them, Auschwitz, Bergen-Belsen, all of those stories. And they ran away from Europe when he was three. So as almost anyone in Israel, I'm a daughter and granddaughter of immigrants and refugees. And I had really uh, the, the luck to, to grow up there in had really beautiful childhood with great friends that we're still in touch until today. And in Israel, one of the things that we do, it's a mandatory military service as we graduate from high school. So when we are 18, for women, it's minimum of two years, for men, it's minimum of three years, and it can be longer. And I was very excited about my military service because actually I really wanted to give back uh, the, the you know the, the and this feeling that I can do everything I want thanks to that, and thanks to the fact that we have country. It's really not obvious. And I chose to actually delay it in one year, and I had a, I made a gap year of uh, volunteering in a poor neighborhood in Jerusalem. So also not just to give back when I was 18, not just as a soldier, but also I wanted to to help with kids and youth in risk and to give them some support and some love and some, if I can, some educational tools that I had. And um, yeah, then what we do when we do a gap year in Israel, we live together. I live together with 10 other people. Wow. In a small apartment. And we were 18 and we did everything together from cooking to, of course, uh, you know, just the way we wake up, we go to sleep, we volunteer a lot, we uh, develop our own centers for education and our own uh, methods and classes. and, And it was a lot, a lot, and we were 18. So we were, you know, partying and having the best time of our life. We didn't care about anything and it was great and sadly um, after a few months after maybe two three months that we already felt you know the closest closer than brothers and sisters uh all the 10 of them and i was the only one that was two minutes away from there but all the 10 of them got hurt in a terror attack in jerusalem mm. so i was really the one to function since that second that it happened and i was in between the hospitals to find out where they are, what's up, also my brother and sister-in-law are working in Jerusalem, they're doctors in the hospital. So I, I was kind of the one, you know, to have the, the possibility to see them, to call the parents, to let them know what happened, to, to be there. And then during the following year, I was actually the one to help them uh, with the recovery also physically and emotionally. So that was one thing that, you know, made a very big, uh, I don't know. uh,
1: I mean, it's like a pivotal moment in your life because it changes the trajectory of everything. You were two minutes away from there, so you were the only one that didn't get impacted directly from the terror attack. And you have the 10 people you live with, your friends, your brothers, your sisters, that have all been impacted in in seconds. And now you have to take charge as like, mother Mija coming in as the mother and just. Exactly.
0: exactly. And like who I am. And, you know, I was, it was everything from if they couldn't sleep at night because of the trauma, if they needed more, uh, you know, medicines in the hospitals or whatever it was, I was there. And then I directly like one week later after finishing with that, I started my military service and my job there was actually also to help. Uh, soldiers who got hurt or got injured or sick during their service. Mm. And I did it in the one of the most uh, combat brigades uh, of the IDF. So I was basically I didn't have uh, uh, one base, I was traveling around all the time between the hospitals and the apartments or where I met, you know, with the families, families if they had families always the soldiers and really to make sure that they have everything they need. Um, so it's kind of support of like, not very specific, but just to make sure that there is someone from the IDF that knows that they're okay. And if they need anything to make sure they get it. We so call that,
1: that a uh, certified badass. <laughs> That's what you are. And uh, I totally empathize with that. That must've been, a very traumatic moment for you. And you were probably even more enthralled and inclined and motivated to join IDF after that and serve after you just experience your own friends and family be impacted in a direct way. And then one week later, you have to go right into IDF. Israeli Defense Forces is what IDF is, by the way, for those that are listening, and you don't know what that is. And, and actually one of the, in, in America, in the u.s one of the most common martial arts we learn here is krav maga yeah. so i've been lucky enough to be trained in krav maga and it was like the first day they <laughs> taught me some things i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> now i'm a certified badass I'm like okay
0: yeah yeah so i learned how to do it with the weapons that is basically bigger than me <laughs> the gun yeah
1: it's, it's unbelievable the gun is the gun is probably bigger than you and, and uh, you know how to, <laughs> So you were, so you must have been so motivated. I mean, how did you manage that emotion? Because you had to kind of separate your emotions from the task you had to perform
0: a week later. It was very difficult and you're right, I had to separate a lot. And I got, I reached actually a point that I was so separated from myself that i completely also you know it's very stressful and very busy and you have to imagine that it's pre iphone time so it's not like i had google map and i had to every night print a map or maps to write the numbers of the buses and the numbers of phone numbers that i had to call and to meet people in certain times it's just crazy to imagine it's not that long time ago uh but yeah it was challenging and i i totally forgot myself i totally lost myself i i like didn't really have time to eat or even to go to the toilet or to talk with people that i love and it i i was i was sick i was really traumatized and didn't really deal with all the trauma traumas that i i went through and basically every day and every hour can be a new trauma right because i could see things uh, I don't know. It can be even a soldier that just uh, doesn't have a family, let's say, or maybe fa- his family is uh, outside of Israel, and he came to volunteer and is now injured at home alone or in the hospital. And it's not even sure that he will have food. You know, like those things that usually don't really happen, but it might happen. And I was the one to 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 have the access to that and to see that and to help. So yeah. So I was totally like really bad shape after some time. And that actually, the moment, the day, that I just understood that I have to remember who I am and I have to do something for myself. And I think that that day I started to study fashion <laughs> design, actually, it was just- wow. It became yeah. an
1: inspiration for you to then move into, put all that energy into whatever. something creative you know,
0: it was whatever i just felt that i have to do something to remember who Michal is because was really dealing with so many things and so many also personal things you know how it's life everything comes together usually and usually it's it's very challenging but it's mostly also the time that after that you can reconnect and rediscover things you always loved and you were good at and yeah and that was the case for me so i started even to study while i was still in the army in a very you know slow phase in the beginning was slow uh and uh, and yeah and slowly slowly and that's amazing i
1: mean that's what i love about art and creative work is it it's a, it's a combination and a compilation of all of the experience you've ever had the people you've met the books you've read the experiences that you're now able to put into your work. And that's it sounds like that's how the humanitarian aspect came about with your fashion company.
0: Uh, Yeah, more or less, more or less. So fashion was somehow always part of my life. My grandparents from my mom's side, uh, that they told you that were survivors, uh, they had one of the first fashion companies in Israel, and they were actually the first ones to import, also fashion. <clears throat> sorry, from uh, from outside of Israel. And I really grew up with that. It's really like from the very, very, very beginning that there was nothing in Israel other than just like one shirt and one pants for the week for work, and one shirt and one pants for the weekend for Shabbat. And they really uh, developed themselves while they were also establishing, you know, themselves after the war and the country and the business and the fashion industry. And my mom was born and grew up in this environment. So it was really part of me and my life, even though they closed long before I was born and uh, part of
1: your dna you were just born into this idea of fashion you're like someone needs the shock the israeli (laughs) fashion up because these two outfits are not doing justice for us
0: exactly exactly and you know it's funny because most of my uh, family members are somehow doctors and therapists and something like that and I'm like the only one that is into fashion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like more task oriented. Just get me the clothes to get to work. I'm wearing my scrubs outfit today. And you're like, let's put a little color in there and oh, yeah, add a little accent. accent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that that happened. And yeah, and then I moved later to Milan. I studied there never, ever, ever, ever really wanted to have my own brand or to have, you know, my own name anywhere. I was really against it. And I really, I was offered some really cool jobs and amazing and huge opportunities. And I was like, oh, let me stay somewhere. (laughs) To be a very small part of something very big. Um, uh, Yeah, but you know, life has uh, its own plans and and it happened and actually when i was studying in milan i studied in an international class i studied in english so we were really people from all across the world and i suffered a lot as as an israeli as a jewish actually people really didn't want to talk to me didn't want to walk next to me in milan in milan but really people from other places um of course it was crazy for me in the beginning i totally didn't get it i, I was like what is happening and i was really like the grandma of the class i was all there also because the kids, <laughs> mother yeah,
1: mija comes out again
0: exactly, exactly i was the mama i was like even cooking for them and taking them out because they i already knew milan and i had my own places and friends uh so that was a shock but i think that that also led me to understand that nobody can really know or understand my uh, my narrative. Nobody really grew up the way I did. Nobody knows how it is to, that everyone in Israel knows someone who died because of the war. And nobody wants to keep the war. We all have the value of, uh, of peace and we actually go to the army to protect ourselves and to protect others and not to kill. But of course that's the narrative that some people hear uh, un- unfortunately, but that happens. So that's the
1: stereotype that is is yeah. shared in mainstream media, especially. So, how did you deal with that? How did you manage that? And then you eventually went on to partner with a Palestinian directly. So, how did you manage that conflict of interest? Because yeah, so,
0: in- it's I mean, now when we talk about it and we look back, of course, we can see that things. Are connected, but I of course I didn't understand it back then. I, I just you know, I did my best, and I was it was sad for me that specific situation. But I I loved studying and I, I really tried to do just to enjoy it. I, I was quite chilled, I think. And um,
1: when you're and then, cooking for everyone, too, that probably worked. They're like, hey, <laughs> Michal's not so, so bad, I like her. <laughs>
0: Except, yes, don't I make that, that kafelta
1: fish again, though. Not, we need.
0: No, it's not my thing. No, not not fish. <laughs> Maybe falafel or <laughs> hummus.
1: Now I know why uh, Claudio said that falafel is his favorite dish. Now. <laughs>
0: <I did. laughs> yeah, that's that's the one thing we have in common. <laughs> um, so, how did
1: you manage that? How did you deal with that cognitive dissonance of?
0: You know. I didn't really. I was sad. I was sad because you know my my grandparents lost everything and everyone that they had and that they loved because of the only one fact that they were born uh, to Jewish grandparents and they were born to Jewish grandparents. Nobody really chose that, and it doesn't reflect me in any way other than just this is who I you know was born to. Uh, And it is said, it is said that people if they're, uh, I don't know, Native Americans or Black people or people with disabilities being treated in some specific way that they don't really have anything to do about it. It's not really their choice and maybe they're even, you know, living happily and they, they solved with themselves that narrative, that conflict if they had, but the outside society still sees them in that way mm. and of course yeah, i can see you also smiling because you know that how it affected me uh, in my work so actually what happened is that i uh, went for a, a summer family vacation in israel it was the summer of 2014 and the war started between israel and gaza and that to make long story short was when i i, I volunteered with kids and in my hometown that is really pastoral and really quiet and the kids, the Jewish kids, come from the area of the the war zone. So they used to, since the day they were born, to have like alarms and four seconds to run to the shelters. Mm. And they're they're experiencing the war inside of them. It's not even where they are. It's it's their you know they all um, experience, their whole being. And when I saw that, and I saw the the, the conflict between the beautiful and quiet and pastoral. And animals, environment, and those kids that like something like this will happen, and they will run and hide under something and will cry. And my first thought was, I know those kids because I, I'm one of them. I know their culture. I know their food. I know their music. I know you know their their kids channels and stuff like that but I have no idea about what is happening in the other side. I don't even know if they have alarms, if they have shelters, what do they do, what do they eat, how, how their life looks like. And that led me to, to Google. At first uh, I Googled in Hebrew and then I Googled in English and then maybe I Googled in Italian and I saw very different pictures of very mm. different narratives that tells completely different story uh, and that led me to actually try and talk to people just to communicate just like hey you know how there was some way that we can talk now if it's Facebook or Instagram or whatever.
1: You wanted to hear the story the narrative directly from, from them, them from instead them. of it being filtered exactly. through a different channel because you saw this dichotomy of this beautiful location, and yet there's war happening right here. And it's you wanted to identify how is this possible? These are the same humans that I am. I eat the same food, I listen to the same music. I I am those children.
0: Exactly, exactly. And and I have no other way to find out other than talking with people. And obviously I understood that because I know that also people see me in, in some specific way, but if they don't talk to me, if they don't ask me, they will never really know how it is, how, how does it feel or how, like, even if I have choices or, or not. And as I started to do that, um, I received only very negative feedbacks. Only you're a murderer, you are killing babies, and really the worst of the worst. You don't even want to know because obviously people didn't know anything about me other than what they consume in the media or what they are brainwashed or what whatever it is and so i couldn't judge them because i also know about them only what i've been taught and later on i continued They really didn't give up and i continued to try to talk to people from all the arab world not just palestinian and not just from gaza until one day that i found this Uh, amazing and brave and creative person that is just a very very good spirit in this world that happened to be born in Gaza again not his choice and nothing that he can do about it sadly and really super intelligent and and kind that it took really a second we checked it few years later back our first conversation it took a second for us to become friends, and to start to to speak about ourselves and about our families and about things we we care about and we like and food and I don't know take selfies. And it was the
1: similarities cool. you had. You just you connected on the things that made you in Human. common rather than the things that made you different.
0: The things that made us humans. That was yes. the thing. That was the very very basic simple. Fact that we really talked about who we are, we are not what we are, mm. and that made us friends in seconds, and that just led us to really want to share that story. That later on became all of this New York Fashion Week and craziness, but that's really how it started.
1: It's beautiful. And how did you even come across paths? How did you even meet him in person?
0: So I never really met him in person. I mean, I met him only once, and that was a very rare moment. After that, we tried, and we are still trying all the time to help him to get visa, but it's very complicated. Uh, but you mean how I how I came? How did
1: you originally connect and and even
0: meet yeah, uh, so virtually? Okay. And so I was already back in Milan. I was back in university. And, you know, living the life of a student, designing a student which never really sleeps and, <laughs> and really just uh, designing all the time, but also trying to have some fun. And I, I just didn't give up. I continued to, to search into Google and to, to talk to people. And I, I just, you know, I just did it. One day, I remember one night, I, uh, I came across one of, uh, of his artworks He's an architect and is, uh, is a teacher in the university for freehand architectural drawings. Mm. I can't even say his name just to make it clear because it's too dangerous for him and uh. for his family. Yeah, he might literally just get killed or be in jail. It's uh, a huge risk that he's taking to communicate with me um sadly because of the situation because of uh the leaders that's of-
1: understandable and i commend you for you know maintaining that privacy for him but but that's a very special yeah relationship you have
0: yeah so the the work of film that i saw was actually took pictures from bombing on gaza and it took like this this old bomb uh, picture and I I will send you this that you could see and he he drew on top of it in like Photoshop or something and he he drew things that were said but also full of hope for me. Mm. That's how I felt. Um, That's
1: beautiful. So that's how you connected and, and you've now been working together for several years.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we really knew that we want to share this message. But we knew that we want to do it in a very positive way and very optimistic way, because we both feel that when we hear said news or we see some said art, it's kind of like, uh, like, oh, that's sad. Let's go have a drink or something. Let's, you know, do something else. Let's escape this reality. Mm. Um, So we really use kind of take advantage of the tool of being colorful and and use very good uh, materials that actually attract people to just firstly want to to wear the clothes and to to see it if it's art if it's on the wall or if it's the actual collection and then they also ask themselves questions or like you know somebody is wearing it outside and it doesn't matter if it's red carpet or it's to the supermarket and and it gets reactions it's it's very Vibrant and and very colorful, and people are like, "Wow, what is this? What is this shirt? What is pants?" And then the way that we communicate our messages—that also people say, "Thank you." And by the way, it was made by those two artists—an Israeli Jew, a Palestinian from Gaza. They work together. They create those things together. Yeah, and it, it helps people to ask questions and to open up a little bit their minds. They're, they're
1: so mind blown and shocked, like how is this possible? Yeah. This completely you know, conflicts with the narrative I've been holding in my head, and now they have to entertain this cognitive dissonance of yeah. my former reality and my new reality, my new normal. And that must be an amazing journey for you as you navigate that story because now you have to share, you get to share your story. You don't, you don't have to, you get to. Yeah. And you get to share this story from a place of abundance rather than from scarcity mindsets. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: And So this person was a pivotal person in your life and you were a pivotal person in his life. Yeah. And I love talking about pivotal people because I think they can change the entire trajectory of your life. So who were the most pivotal people in your life as you navigated this new journey of having to deal with, I'm sure there's certain Israelis that were even against this, and I'm sure there, you caught some flack from the Palestinian side or Arab side as well. So who were the people in your life, your mentor, your coach, that helped you navigate this new journey?
0: Yeah. Um, so firstly, I think that it's really mostly my, my parents, my mom and dad, and my grandparents as i already mentioned them that we probably can both of us can uh, realize that and i always had mentors i'm a big fan of this method i love it i love my mentors they were from different fields from my first fashion teacher and and few other teachers in the like professional teachers to more of the business oriented side I I love I love people that I can look up to. I I love to admire people even if they are totally different than me and and you know I can never be them, but they can mirror me to myself and that's very useful in my opinion.
1: Act as a sounding board for you and give you feedback on helping you think through the decisions you're making, especially when you're in a you're in a controversial
0: yeah, I mean, I, I, we really received, I think, 100% of support with this project and the other projects. Later on, we also uh, um, told the story of Syrians that I volunteer with and refugees. And it was mostly, it was only positive feedback the thing that you're right about is that people never really ask themselves because like you said they had like this narrative they never really thought oh but why you can't meet or why you can't say his name and many people
1: questioned it they Even never the really questioned
0: it. yeah that my, my family my friends myself as well before I really came across this situation and him I never knew about it and I it like, just never came across my my life, my life, mm-hmm. imagination even. So we really made people to ask more and more.
1: That's why it's so important to have mentors to help guide you from the wisdom, the experiences maybe they've already had. There's a saying in Stoicism, uh, Stoic philosophy, uh, to choose a kato. And kato is a famous philosopher. And the idea is that a kato is someone that you want to role model or model your life after. And so, for example, you might have a mentor or a famous person that you really love what they stand for, their belief systems, their values, and you ask yourself, what would Kato do or what would X person do in this situation? And it helps give you a blueprint, a roadmap of maybe the direction you should follow in that difficult point of decision. One of the my mentors that told me, and, and it's pretty much held true throughout my life, which is anytime you get come across a fork in the road where you have a very diff, difficult decision to make, usually the more difficult one is the right answer. The one that's less travel, maybe that aren't, you're more fearful of taking, but deep down inside, you know it's the right decision to make. And that's yes. that's held true for me.
0: Yeah. And on on this note, you know, it's interesting that you made me think that in Judaism, they say, uh, make yourself a rabbi. So don't go and follow the rabbi, which is doesn't matter if it's the priest or Buddha or wherever it is. Don't just follow someone because he is the rabbi, but make yourself, make him your teacher active, Mm. proactively and really ask him the hardest questions because you also make him a better teacher, a better guide when it's some work that you do, the two of you together. And yeah, I can say that also I have many students and they've been my mentors, even if they're, you know, from little children to university students, I learned so much from them that it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I always recommend to my clients, you should have three groups of people that you regularly Uh, meet with people that are younger than you, people that are the same age, and people that are older than you. So people that are older than you, they can share wisdom from experiences and time on this earth that you haven't experienced yet. People that are on the same age as you are going through similar situations that you are at the same time so you can empathize with each other, bounce ideas off of each other. And then people that are younger than you, you can mentor them, coach them, teach them. And what I've learned is the more often you teach coach and mentor the more it ingrains those ideas in your own mind
0: yes exactly
1: so we're on the same page there now when i think about your work and i think about who is your ideal customer who's your ideal client who hires you and what what problem are you really solving for them in terms of i'm, I'm assuming they want someone to come in as either a consultant or they need a a model, fashion show, designed. how do you help them? Like, who's your ideal client?
0: All right, very interesting question because I have so many different fields that I'm working on. I have, um, where should I start? Maybe the thing that is most important for me is the collection that I'm working on now for two years. It's a collection that is also for people with physical disabilities, but also for anyone else. So, actually, we are getting dressed since ever. We will always need more (laughs) clothes, unfortunately, or not. It's a basic need. It's like eating, the way I see it. I mean, of course, we used to think about it in a very superficial way, and maybe it's not the most important, but we need to protect ourselves, and we need to express ourselves. We need to Mm -hmm. communicate with ourselves and with others, and this is the first thing you actually learn about someone and it's the first things that you feel about yourself you know how um, your your outfit really changes your mood and the way you feel confident and anything yeah, when it. you
1: look good you feel good and when you yeah. feel good you perform good you, you exactly. perform well
0: and also if you just want to chill if you want to be at home you change to those clothes that makes you feel comfortable and yeah so
1: during COVID, i i tell people like listen even though you don't have to go outside if you dress up nice it's going to make you feel good and and be more productive throughout the day and and what you said is it's the first thing people see in restaurants they always tell you that they want the host or the hostess to appear very you know likable and impressionable because you're the very first impression they have of the restaurant and the very last impression they have of the restaurant and so people since they're experiencing you with their eyes what you're wearing is the first way they're going to judge you and i always tell people people will judge you more by how well you speak and how well you dress than anything else because those are the first things they see and hear
0: yeah exactly and you know for me as i told you it's also a tool to raise awareness and to talk about issues i care about so one of the things is really people that uh, have physical disabilities, they can live nowadays an amazing lifestyle. There is so much technology, uh, probably also in your podcast, (laughs) and so many amazing innovative ways to really deal with everything. But the way we get dressed, that hasn't changed for maybe, we are now assuming 50,000 years, but probably even more. But if you will see the first, the oldest needle, that was found 50,000 years ago, it's the same, exactly the same that we use. Wow,
1: so 50,000 years ago was the first needle that people were using to thread clothes.
0: The oldest needle that was found until today.
1: And
0: exactly the same. And we're still using
1: the same needle. needle. There's not much innovation there. So if you're listening and you have an idea that you've been wanting to work on for creating a new needle.
0: This exactly. And, you know, we have all of those industries like airplanes and robots and flying cars and all of them are made by machines. But there is no even one garment in the universe that was made without humans. Mm. and That is a crazy thing to realize. And I think it's also something to appreciate.
1: So this is your new collection. It's very much something you'll appreciate. This is your new collection called Bridging.
0: Uh, we are using a very, very uh, breakthrough technology that is actually textile that is totally self-sterilized. No COVID, no viruses, no wow. bacteria, no smell can be on that, which is so important, especially nowadays. And it's going to be the first time that uh, people are going to wear it. It used to be only for the medical industry and for the military industries across the globe. And actually you asked me about my my customers, my clients. So the unique thing for me, the most unique thing about it is it's not another collection. It's not another adaptive collection. It's not a collection for handicapped, that they already exist in the world. This is hopefully a collection that all of us would like to wear and to feel good about ourselves and to express ourselves in a very easy way. So it's. It's a combination of the the innovation in the in the textile and re- revolutionary way actually to get dressed. So no more mm. buttons or zippers or those things that like we need to put our hands or we need to put our legs. One off. Like the you other. have to do
1: gymnastics just to get in your clothes. You've created a way that not only is easier for those that are handicapped or those that uh, might not have the ability to open up or. Use a complex button or jump through, you know, hoops just to get in their pants. But not just for the people that might have a difficult time doing that, but for all of us. Why are we even making it so difficult to put our clothes on? Exactly. And the added bonus is you're making it self-sterilizing, so bacteria and viruses are repelled from it.
0: Exactly, and it's amazing and beautiful material and materials. And also, um, you know, it's really about that people that are already different, and when, when I started to work on it, when you start to think about it, you start to understand, oh, okay, also older people, people with Parkinson's, kids, autistic kids, parents to autistic kids, mm. and all different kinds of groups that usually are not really being uh, considered, or especially not in the fashion industry, and it's really nobody that is already feeling different really wants to wear something different we actually want to be the same this is another part of fashion that we are all following more or less the trends you can say even that my collections are always very classics and really timeless but it is something that everybody can find himself or herself and to express themselves in a way that is you know just it, it is about the world we are living in today and that's why it was always important for me to have uh, also plus size and ultra size and petite and to be also modest for women from different uh, religious and uh, groups so background.
1: so you yeah. you're a- appealing to a larger audience you're being very inclusive
0: yeah and and now i really want so my my perfect audience will be really everybody. I will feel great when people that have no hands or difficulties and people who are perfectly normal, mm. which is another thing. I think that all of us are disabled, just that for some we can see it and for some less, but that everybody would love to wear it.
1: Beautiful. And did you work with someone on this collection?
0: yes so i'm working in collaboration with ziv shilon that is funny you also asked me before about my forbes experience and ziv shilon is the guy that i met at the shootings as i told you the photo shootings for forbes is also is on the list and
1: um, he's also a forbes 30 under 30 forbes member,
0: under 30 member and unlike most israeli men he actually knows how to get dressed and is very stylish and he cares about it and he has a great taste. he also lost both of his hands in the war sadly and since then he's having challenges to get dressed and to express himself and you have to imagine, or you have to check him out because this person is amazing. is a motivational speaker. He has many businesses, NGOs. He has two little kids. That is, he can do everything with them. Really, you you can't see, you can't really understand that he doesn't have hands. He did the Ironman competition, totally without anything. Um, And the only one little thing that this man cannot do by himself is the basic thing that all of us do when we get up in the morning and it's to get dressed. And when I met him and he was really there in the photo shootings and it was, I don't know, they wanted to shoot him from like half body or something like that. And I was completely on the other side of the room and I was like, wait, 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 stop everything right now. The only man here who deserves to have Full body shot is this guy. So come on. (laughs) Wow. Happened. And, you know, again, why people were confused about my job there. And and then I realized that I have to help him because I had to help him to put the jacket or to take it off, to put another button off because
1: he didn't have hands. And I watched his TED talk. It was amazing. Can you share how to spell his name so the audience listening can can look yeah. him up? So
0: his name is Ziv Shilon. It's Z I V and his last name is S H I L O N. So that look him up.
1: Very inspiring story and thanks for sharing. So you two worked on this newest collection that when is when does it release so the audience can find out about it?
0: It's a work in progress. It's really uh, nowadays. I mean, hopefully by the time that it will be out, you can all look me up and if you don't see it yet, so you can text me and I promise to update you.
1: Perfect. We'll we'll go over those details in just a second, but before we do, let's transition to something called the under 30 seconds round, where I'm going to fire off a few questions, answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? (laughs) I hope. What is the book you've gifted more often than any other book and why?
0: Easy. The Artist Way. Everybody, if you don't know it yet, download it now, listen to it, work with it. I've done the workshop. Now I'm doing the workshop actually for the third time in a few years. And those are practical tools to live your life more connected to yourself, more aligned with who you are, what you want to do. I recommend it to everyone I know, from artists to lawyers to accountants, everybody.
1: The, it's called The Artist's Way.
0: The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Yes.
1: We'll look it up. All right. And what's one of the best and one of the worst investments you've ever made and why?
0: Uh, this is such a complicated question. I don't know. I think my best investments are my friendships and my relationships. Mm. A bad investment. This is too hard. I don't know. I need more seconds to think. It.
1: <laughs> we, I 100% agree. Relationships. A um, bad and, yoga
0: and, mat. A bad yoga mat. That's a bad investment. A don't bad
1: yoga fat. mat. Invest in a good ma- yoga mat, ladies <laughs> exactly. and gentlemen. You heard it first, Michal. Says, in, yeah. I have
0: the.
1: I have a Manduka, which is fantastic. All which right. What's what's the brand that you recommend?
0: i don't
1: know <laughs> <laughs> you can't go and say you have to get a good yoga man and you don't even know the brand oh all right well at least i can offer the recommendation geez it's Mandu- okay, manduka
0: it's commercials you know
1: <laughs> yeah we need to get a sponsor it's just a yoga mat company okay what is one of your guilty pleasures or cheat meals favorite cheat meal okay
0: so i'm vegan we're vegan here And it's mostly healthy food, gluten-free, and I love it. It's amazing. I also, I grew up eating uh, cheese, eggs, meat every day, every every meal, sorry, of my life. So I love it. I still eat tons and many different kinds of cheese, just vegan cheese and burgers and bolognese and all of those guilty pleasures in vegan version. I'm trying to keep it also healthy and not too processed, uh, but I love it.
1: Sorry. We, uh, my girlfriend and I, we use a company called Purple Carrot. It's a vegan company that partnered with Tom Brady following healthy vegan meals, but also high performance, high protein for those that want to work out. So it's a, it's a great uh, delivery company. Okay. Pretend you won the Peter Thiel Fellowship and you were going to get money to start a business instead of going to school. Where would you start to build that business? What's the very first thing you would do?
0: My first instinct is probably not the best one, is to say that uh, my business is so connected with my personality and my business is so connected with helping those uh, communities and groups in risk so whatever money I, I have, or I will, would have, uh, whatever, would be firstly really to support those causes before the business, I think. And, and, and yeah, that's the way to help, right? To, to give money to, I mean, in good ways. But I think that probably, maybe that's the reason that I should invest in a really good uh, business development person.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> more artistic person like myself. <laughs>
1: There you go, a coach or a mentor or a team member. Last question in the under 30 seconds round, what's something you never knew you needed? An example of this is I have a pop socket on my phone, an overly simplistic example, but my friend said, try it out for a week. If you don't like it, take it off. And now I've had it for like two years. I'm like, how did I ever use an iPhone without the pop socket?
0: Wow, I should use it. (laughs) you I mean, <laughs> it on top of your case
1: yeah it's on top of the case
0: amazing um i don't know really about life changing other than the yoga mat but i really appreciate i think it's one of the best things that mankind ever um made is a bath really just to take bath. a bath yeah i think oh, it's yeah. a genius thing and it's essential it's do you,
1: do you do like the bath salts and the bubbles and...
0: It depends. You know, it depends how much time I have. I just, I think it's it's super important to relax in the end of the day and to just calm down your body and your soul mm-hmm. and just to, to be there. There's something
1: to be said about the warm water. Um, after the gym, I always like to hop in the hot tub at the end and just yes. sit there for a while. Well. Very
0: we met even once in a hot tub. Yeah, actually, that's funny. So,
1: so we were in a hot tub together in Amsterdam, and uh, yeah, we, great conversations can come from just being in a hot tub.
0: The full story is it was the Forbes summit, but I was so late to decide that I'm going, so I was in this hotel totally by myself. It was nobody from the summit. People were all around Amsterdam, and I was all by myself in that hotel. A little bit sad in the beginning. Later on, I started to love it. And I think it was maybe one of the last days that I just I had to run up to, to, the top, to the rooftop to, it was super cold and like rainy outside and I wanted to, to be in this hot tub. And suddenly you were
1: there. You were late a few times. It wasn't just that one time. You were even late to the museum that we went with with Jordan and Andrea. We're like, where is? Yeah.
0: <laughs> what are you doing, what?
1: <laughs> so, well as we conclude thank you so much for being here to Michal. Uh, it was great reconnecting but before you go what's what's next for you what's the next big goal or milestone or bucket list item you want to achieve
0: i really want to to make this next collection available for everyone i want to do it sustainable so it's also the materials it's the people who are going to work on it and it's also of course to not have a useless stock of things I'm still figuring it out I'm studying now 3d designing in fashion it's really the future and that's amazing and I think that will be my next goal my next biggest goal is also to make it uh, yeah available and and hopefully profitable but we don't know
1: <laughs> we will definitely let the listeners know where to go and so if they do follow you for the business side of things, where do listeners go to learn more about your collections and the work that you're doing and find out about the release?
0: All right, so uh, I don't know if I'm like many others, I feel it might not be my, it's not the problem that only I have with social media, but I'm trying, trying to share and I'm trying to to be there as little as, Possible, but also them in a meaningful way and authentic way so you can follow me on Instagram I promise to try my best I can't promise anything else and There is also the website and if you go to the website you can also register to the newsletter, which I Think that sadly I don't do enough, but but yeah I update uh, From you'll let them
1: know when the new collection releases. So what where what website do you want them to go to tell them uh, your instagram handle as well
0: all right so instagram is Michal idash and my website is www.hidas which is h-i-d-a-s more or less like hidas net and there yeah, you it can be updated about news and sales and anything that is interesting and fun.
1: And the last thing we want to share, I definitely go connect with Michal and, and her work that she's doing, but she's also been working on a very special project specifically related to COVID yes. that you wanted to share. Tell yes. us about that.
0: Gladly. Exactly. So it started with a group of people that it was from the very first days of COVID anxiety. And we wanted to do something good and to spread some positivity and some hope, and maybe to help the people in need, the group that are anyway um, need help. But nowadays they are even in a bigger risk. And we didn't know exactly how to do that. But then I came across an amazing person, Shreya, that she's a video editor and producer, and she decided to create this amazing movie, a documentary about people all across the world dealing now with COVID and with their life, with the changes, and really sharing a little bit about their own experiences. So it's from really how we suddenly found out that we love to cook and we love to do sport. But also the the lowest moment, the the sad, the the depression and the anxiety. And the message is really we all in this together. So to imagine that only one country will maybe overcome and maybe will heal and maybe even will totally reduce the amount of people sick in their country, it's Basically, like thinking that, "Oh, I have this problem in my shoulder, and I figure it out but if my my other finger will still have some kind of disease, it will continue to to affect my shoulder and my whole body and that's the way we see it with the world. so if people in Africa and they don 't have the awareness or they don't have the tools or they are in refugee camps and they don 't even have water um will not, you know, be able to help themselves, and we will not help them, then we are risking all of us actually. And in this movie, you can see people from really across any field, we have ambassadors and and artists, and refugees, and tech people, and all of them really sharing this message and we found out that we again have much more in common than we think
1: (laughs) came back to the core fundamentals of relationships and what means the most to us cooking together sharing amazing memories together laughing enjoying each other's company learning and growing from each other so this is an amazing documentary co-created with Michal and shreya patel and you can find out more at their link it's called the unity documentary Um, But you can go to their link tree, which is linktr.ee, linktree, slash unity documentary, and you can find out more and watch it. So this is amazing. Um, Great. Please go connect with Michal and her work at hidash.net. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here today. We learned so much about the bridging collection, um, inspiring work bringing two different people together and Palestinians and Israelis and and those in Gaza and those that are less fortunate and you know I love that we met and, and got to share experiences in multiple places because of Forbes and Forbes bringing us even to Israel with the reality trip and you know I wanted to see both sides too so I got to go to the Palestinian side across the border and meet with my Palestinian friends and Israeli friends, and it was great to have, like you said, relationships around the world where you can hear their story. And we learned from Michal today that focus on the human being, who they are, and hear their story. Don't just listen to maybe the narrative we're being fed. I love that. It was beautiful. And I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Have an amazing day. Thanks for joining us today. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Who do you think would benefit from hearing it? You can make an impact on their life by sharing it now. Before you go, I encourage you to tell us your favorite part of the episode in the review section. Now it's time to level up.